tiny drop of water lands in a still pool of water. That pool is no longer going to be still. Because from that tiny little drop of water, one ripple is going to begin spreading out into the pool. One little ripple growing. And then another little ripple. And then another following that one. From that, that one tiny little ripple, these ripples, that tiny little drop, these ripples are going to spread out and, and they're going to keep spreading out until they reach the ends of the pool of water. So that pool is no longer going to be the same. That pool has now been disturbed. It is changed. And as long as those ripples are there, it won't be the same. And the more, the more that you try to calm the water down with your own hands, the more agitated it will become. The leaders of the Jewish people thought they had quieted the waters. They were successful in putting Jesus to death. And, and so the, the, him and his claims of being the son of God would, would finally now be put to rest. But they were still worried. What if, what if his disciples steal his body from the tomb and then say that he had risen? Well, that would be worse than the way it was before. So they made sure that that tomb was securely guarded. They, they had everything, all the details taken care of and the pool was still. The waters were calm. But then a mighty drop landed. Jesus rose. And they could not stop the ripples that this would cause throughout history. They tried. They tried paying the guards. Paying the guards off to tell a different story. But they could not prevail against the truth that Jesus physically, literally rose from the dead and appeared to hundreds of people over the next 40 days. There's nothing they could do. This would cause a ripple in history that they were powerless to do anything about. The death and resurrection of Jesus weren't the end of anything. This didn't mean that the story was over. It was the beginning of something big. Last Sunday evening, we watched um, the first episode of A.D. I don't know if you've heard about that. This is the follow-up series to the Bible that came out a couple years ago. It's a mini-series that is going to follow basically from the resurrection, the death and resurrection, then through the book of Acts to see how everything happened from there, how the word then spread from there. Uh, so we watch it. It, had its, you know, it has good parts and has bad parts like any movie about the Bible. Um, but what I did appreciate, the, the fear and the, the great concern in the hearts of the leaders who had just crucified Jesus uh, when, when they were preparing for, for uh, locking this tomb up, sealing the tomb, and then when the messenger came with the news that the tomb had been opened, the body was gone, and his disciples were saying, 
that he had risen. And they were upset. They were uh, greatly concerned, downright scared. They understood, and the Bible backs this up, they understood that if the message got out that Jesus had risen, this wouldn't be the end of anything. This would only be the beginning. The beginning of something big. The beginning of something huge. The book of Acts, Luke's second volume, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then he wrote a second volume, which we call Acts. Whether it's the Acts of the Apostles, or the Acts of the Holy Spirit, or the Acts of Jesus. Luke's second volume, the book of Acts, really takes up the story from what happened there. It takes up the story from what happened at the resurrection, and then shows how Jesus, how the Word of God, then spread out to the world like a drop hitting a still pool, sending ripples everywhere. Verses 1 to 2. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Now, there is one word we could preach this whole sermon on, really almost the whole series on. Began. All that Jesus began to do and teach. Jesus had just begun. Okay? He wasn't finished when he died on the cross. Now that almost sounds like false doctrine. He said, it is finished when he's on the cross. Yes, he was finished paying for our sins. But he wasn't finished when he died on the cross. He wasn't finished when he rose from the dead. And he wasn't even finished when he ascended into heaven. He didn't... He didn't ascend into heaven. To, he didn't go there to retire or to drink wine with his father or to golf with the angels. He is still working. He is still doing. He is still teaching. He had just begun. What we have here in the Bible, in the book of Acts, is just the beginning of what Jesus has done. He is still at it. He is still doing. He is still teaching. That word is a present tense, ongoing action, and Jesus is still at it. There are two main stages of Jesus' work. One you'll find in the Gospel of Luke, and the other you'll find the beginning of in the book of Acts. One is about his work that he did on earth, and the other tells about the work that he continues to do from heaven. The first is the work that he did in person. The second is the work that he is doing through the Holy Spirit. One is the beginning, and the other is the continuation. One, one came to a close, it came to a, a stop, when, or it, it came to completion, we'll say, when he sat at the right hand of his father. The other continues until he comes again. So, all the things we're going to hear about the disciples doing, all the works that, that the disciples did, is really the ministry of Jesus. Because they were all acting under his authority. And he is the one who is actually working through them all. He is the one who is still working through us all today. It's the acts of Jesus. It is his ministry. So friends, the book of Acts is the story about the beginning of something big. Through his disciples, Jesus is he's still carrying on from heaven, 
the work and the teaching that he began to do before he ascended from earth. He's still carrying it out. The resurrection was just the beginning. And Jesus is still working through us today. So just as life would would never be the same for those disciples, the resurrection means that that life is never going to be the same for you and me. It changes everything. It means that we have a new life to live and a message to share. It changes everything. The word keeps spreading. And so, as we work through the book of Acts, it's going to have a lot to say to us and to our church about this mission that we are on together with Jesus, who is still working through us and who will continue to work through us. Verse 3, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So the resurrection was not only the subject of the message that the disciples were going to take into the world, but it also gave the power and purpose to do it. All of these appearances of Jesus to the disciples got them ready to do what they were going to have to do. To to believe it and stand up for it no matter what. And look how it changed them. We're going to see how it changed, especially Peter. Look how it changed all the disciples. And look how it changes us. Look look how this has changed our lives. Look at at what it causes us to do, the the work we put into establishing a, a church here in Mississauga so that we can reach out to people to let them know this news and all the efforts that we, we do while we're here and, and through everything we do here together with each other in our own personal ministries, look at how it's changed us. If, if the resurrection did not happen, then none of it happened. And, and there's no point for any of this. But if the resurrection did happen, then that means our life cannot be the same. It means we have a message to share. It means that we must go and tell. And, and, and we are compelled to live differently because we know that we are going to rise again. Verses 4 and 5. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus tells them to wait in Jerusalem for the gift that his father promised, which is, by the way, going to fulfill a prophecy that the word in Isaiah, that the word goes out from Jerusalem. Wait for that gift my father promised. This baptism of the Holy Spirit he's speaking about would be when the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost Day and and empowered the disciples to speak in all kinds of different languages and to do signs and, and wonders, which would then help them get this work started of spreading God's word to the world. And they needed help from the Holy Spirit. Here's why. Verses 6 and 7. So when they met together, they asked him, and the word there in Greek is a, it's a present, it's an ongoing word. So the idea is they were continually asking him. When they met together, they kept asking Jesus, Lord, 
are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. They're like, they're like kids in the back of a car. You're laughing, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Continue asking. Are we there yet? When are we going to get there? Are we going to get there now? Are we going to get there now? Right? Asking. Continually asking. Like not getting it. And just continually asking. It's almost what the disciples are like here. Now granted, they had come a long way. They, they had come a long way. Um, since the resurrection, after Jesus rose from the dead, their, their understanding grew tremendously that Jesus' kingdom was going to be different. But it it seems that they they were still expecting some kind of restoration to the kingdom of Israel. Even if their viewpoints had changed drastically. I mean, put yourself in their place. They're they're thinking, Jesus, you were dead. And now you're alive again. So you have defeated death and the powers of evil. So is it going to happen now? Now that you did that? Are you going to roll out your kingdom power now? Kids. Kids. Children. Jesus says basically, not now. No, not now. And still, still not in the way that you think. Do you get it? These disciples, they needed, they needed the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. They needed some help here. And they were going to get it in 10 days. So, um, then we get to verse 8. And verse 8 is what the book of Acts is all about. Verse 8 is the mission statement of the book of Acts. But, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This verse is the mission, the goal, and the purpose of the book of Acts. It is even the outline for the book of Acts. Because we can follow along just how it says. Um, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria would be chapters 1 to 9. Ends of the earth, chapters 10 to 28. So in this one tiny little verse, you have the power, the purpose, and the plan for the book of Acts. The beginning of something big. So let's, let's work through those things. The power, the purpose, the plan. First of all, the power. There's no way that these disciples had the power to do what Jesus was asking them to do. They had no skills. They didn't even understand the message that they were to go out and share. Like these, like these kids understood it today. They didn't even have that. They needed some help. They needed the Holy Spirit to empower them, to equip them and empower them. Here's what the Holy Spirit does for us. And we, you know, we don't, just because we have tongues, we don't have tongues of fire on our heads and and can't speak in different languages, um, doesn't mean the power of the Holy Spirit isn't in our lives. So, through His Word and through baptism, the Holy Spirit brings you to faith. And through his word and through the Lord's Supper, the Holy Spirit strengthens that faith. And this is exactly what he would do for those apostles. Same thing he does for us. 
But on top of that, he also gave these apostles some special gifts to speak in different languages and, and to do signs and wonders, which would help get the ball rolling on getting the word out to the world, spreading the word out to the world. So he gave them understanding through the word, and he gave them power as Jesus would work through them to change the world. Listen, this is a power that you have too. If you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit is inside you. You might not have the abilities that God gave these men, but because of the faith the Holy Spirit has given you, because of that new person that he has created inside you through his word and sacraments, you have power. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, says, No one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. This isn't talking about your lips being able to speak the words, Jesus is Lord. Any wicked human being can utter those words. This is saying that you believe that Jesus is Lord. This is saying that no one who does not have the Holy Spirit can believe that Jesus is Lord. It is only because you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you that you can believe that Jesus is your Lord. Only because you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you can you live a life then that reveals that Jesus is Lord. That is the Holy Spirit's power in your life and mine. And with the Holy Spirit's power, we live a life that testifies that Jesus is Lord. So there are things that I do because Jesus is Lord. And there are things that I don't do because Jesus is Lord. There are places that I go because Jesus is Lord. And there are places that I will not go because Jesus is Lord. There is a way that I spend my money because Jesus is Lord. And there is a way that I don't spend my money because Jesus is Lord. There is a way that I think and fantasize because Jesus is Lord. And there is a way that I don't think and fantasize because Jesus is Lord. And we could go on and on. That is the Holy Spirit empowering us to do that. That is the Holy Spirit's power enabling us to live in such a way that testifies that Jesus is Lord. Um, and so that sets us up as witnesses to the Word of God and to what life looks like because Jesus is Lord. So that, that is how we become witnesses under the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? We confess with our lives that Jesus is Lord, that He is our Lord, our risen Lord. And, and so we begin to love, to minister, to serve, as Jesus did. Walking with, working with, loving those who need love the most. We share the good news of what Jesus has done for us. We, we, uh, we serve others. We, we, we put others before ourselves. 
And the Holy Spirit keeps reminding us through the word that Jesus is all that we truly need in our lives. So there you have the power and the purpose. Them being witnesses. Us being witnesses. Because Jesus continues to work through us. So you have the power, the purpose, and here's the plan. Here's the plan. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Tiny drop and ripples going out. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So they started right in Jerusalem, right where they were. They went right into the temple courts and preached the risen Christ. That They started to reach out right in their own neighborhood, and that was going to get them in trouble. We're going to go through that. That's going to get them persecuted. Those leaders who just put Jesus to death are not going to like that. And the Holy Spirit then compels them through that strange kind of way, persecution, to move out from Jerusalem out into Judea. So they go from Jerusalem and then go into Judea, which is the province that Jerusalem is in. And from there, they're going to go into Samaria, which, by the way, is full of Samaritans who are half-breeds and sinners despised by the Jews. So are they going to despise them too? Are they going to bully them and discriminate against them because of their sinful half-breed lifestyle? No. No, they're going to they're going to love them back to life by sharing the most the greatest news that they could ever hear, the resurrection of Jesus and the forgiveness that comes from that. And so they are going to love them in the greatest way they possibly could love them. They're going to show them true love. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Ripples going out. When these words were spoken in Jerusalem, you and I, we're the ends of the earth. Friends, listen. Nothing has changed today. The power given to them is the power given to us. The purpose given to them is the purpose given to us. The plan given to them is still the same plan that we're working on. We are still, God is still carrying out his plan through us. We are still witnesses of the resurrection. We are still how the word of God spreads. And just like back then, in that day, not everyone's going to like us for it. Not everyone's going to agree. Not everyone is going to accept our message. But look at the church, the Christian church today. Millions and millions have come to know the good news of Jesus. From one tiny starting point in Jerusalem. A a tiny drop that created life-changing, earth-shattering ripples. The beginning of something huge. I'm going to turn 44 pretty soon. And uh, when I was in my, when I was in my 20s, probably, I wasn't really afraid of doing anything, like physical. I would go all out physically. And if I would get sore, no problem. I'll heal in a day. Right, 20-year-olds? I would, I would sprint full speed, no problem. But, um, but now that I've, you know, rounded 40 and going on. I've learned that if I go out and 
sprint full speed, I'm going to pull my hamstrings. It's just, it is going to happen. It, when I get sore, when I get sore, I'm not going to heal in a day. I'm going to be sore for a week and a half. So I have pulled back on taking risks. I just, I will not sprint 100% full speed anymore. Why risk pulling hamstrings? It's not worth it. So I take less risks physically. And there is wisdom in that. Physically, but not spiritually. As we run in God's race, as we are part of something big, the spreading of his word, we must, we must put our trust in God. We, we must be willing to put our trust in him to give us the words to say and to give us the courage and the love with which to speak them. Friends, as, as individuals and as a church, we must be willing to take risks for the sake of his kingdom. God will honor and bless those risks always. I'll guarantee that there is not one time where you have gone out on a limb, where you have taken a risk to share Jesus, even if they turn it back in your face and you felt burned by it, but if there, there has not been a time that you have gone out of your way or taken a risk to share Jesus, to invite someone, to share your faith, to stand up for what is right, that God has not honored and blessed. And I cannot think of one risky, I can't believe we're doing this thing that God has not blessed here at Cross of Life. What Jesus was telling his disciples before ascending into heaven is that the church is a missionary organization. It's, it's a missionary organization, all right? We're not, we're not always looking inward and entertaining, but we're looking outward to those who don't know Jesus yet. The church is a battleship, not a cruise ship. Engaging the world around us for the kingdom of God with the message of the risen Jesus. That might mean we make some sacrifices, friends, like last week. Or instead of just, you know, it would have been nice to sit and enjoy an Easter worship service, you went all out to make sure that others, that new people could come and enjoy and listen and understand the message of Easter and hopefully to come back and hear more. So there's some sacrifices in that. But there's an understanding. And what we need to be able to do is step back to see the whole picture, the big picture. We need to step back and see the something big that is just beginning. Verses 9 to 11, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So the text ends with Jesus ascending into heaven, the disciples watching him go, two angels show up and basically say, why are you standing here? He's coming back. Don't you have some work to do? Jesus has given you a mission. Friends, Jesus has given us a mission. What are we waiting for?
Amen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.